are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. Thank you for tuning in this week. And what I'm going back and forth, and I've been thinking about, well, you know, we're going to talk about faith. And I had a show back in October about uh, the idea of biblical faith. So I'm going to let that rest for a little bit. But, you know, we just passed an election. And because we got finished with an election, I am convinced more so than ever before that not many Christians hold a biblical worldview. And of course, you know, I know that Barna and some of the other folks like Lifeway and the Assemblies of God and some of the other pollsters out there have basically attested to this. But what I want to do is I want to think about the condition of society today and what it means to hold, what the essentials are, I guess you could say, of a biblical Christian worldview. Now, I classify myself as a historical conservative Christian. I don't necessarily go Republican or Democrat. I do vote my principles. But those principles that I vote for are based on a biblical worldview. So that's what I want to tackle with us today with regards to this whole thing of what are some of the Christian worldview essentials. Now, I just alluded to something with reference to the condition of society. You know that our society is deteriorating. When I say that it's deteriorating, I've heard talks by folks like Greg Kokol and my friend Frank Turek, and he alludes to this whole idea that the religion of the culture, the Sitzenleben, the setting of our culture today, is actually sex. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when we talk about the religion of sex, if you look at everything that has been passed in law over the last few years, you've talked about things like abortion rights, gay rights, same-sex marriage. You talk about the fact that if you look around, that people uh, have no, no problem with fornication or adultery. You, you see this whole pervading hedonism that was a lot like ancient Crete, where people had no problem about lying and acting out their behavior like brute beasts, as Jude refers to, as, as Paul tells Titus in his letter to Titus, that the philosophies of our culture today are all wrapped up on hedonism, materialism, and the religion of sex, with a pervading view of atheism and anti-theism with regards to scientism, the fact that science is, you know, the natural senses is all that you know, we um, can know reality, I guess you could say. Now, what is a worldview? A worldview is a set of beliefs that are used to understand the world that is around us. Everyone, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, has a worldview. And everyone has a set of principles that they use to judge things like right and wrong and things that guide them in everyday living, even in the voting booth. You know, you stop at a red light or a green light. Of course, we know what those mean. And then also, you leave a tip for the waiter. You you voice your order for food to the speaker box. You know, while you're while you're sitting in your car, you you 
may try to coordinate colors with your clothes. Why do you do all these things? Well, it's because that you and I are accustomed to doing them in a manner that is consistent with what you believe and what I believe. In other words, we behave according to our worldview. Now, with regards to our worldview, there are, our worldview actually forms the basis of how you and I interpret reality. You know, a worldview is like a lens through which you look at the world. Your worldview shapes your moral opinions. It affects what you believe about God, marriage, politics. And boy, oh boy, um, if you voted something pertaining to your party loyalty and you're a professing Christian, if you voted on for one that was anti-life, anti-heterosexual marriage, anti-national security, anti-less taxes, anti-life, chances are you voted against your worldview or what you say you are. Now, we also take our worldview and we put it into our environmental concerns, our educational requirements, economics, raising children, and even what kind of foods that you and I eat. It affects everything because all that which is around you and I and all that which you and I interact with must be interpreted and must be understood in light of yours and my worldview. Now, according to Barna, about half or, or so, about 54% claim that they make their moral choices on the basis of principles and specific principles at that or standards that they believe. Other common um, means of making moral choices include doing what feels right or makes you feel comfortable. That was 24% in that survey. Doing whatever makes the other person happy or what causes at least amount of conflict. That was 9%. And pursuing whatever produces the most positive outcome uh, for the person. That's 7% in that survey. So why all these differences in the results? Well, it's because people have different worldviews and different opinions about God, about man, about the purpose of life, about things like right and wrong. Now, there are some philosophical questions here that do come into play with reference to yours and my worldview. Now, what are some of these basic philosophical questions? You know, everybody has them. Everybody wonders about them. And generally speaking, it is, a, the, it is the answers to these, these questions. Like, for example, the question of origin, where do we come from? Or the question of meaning, why are we here? What is the purpose of our existence? Um, is there a God? Uh, let's see, is there a God and what does he want from us? Being a question of, say, like personal purpose and relationship. What happens to us after we die? That's a question of destiny. Did we evolve or were we created? That falls in line with a question of where did we come from? And also, is morality absolute or subjective? And that's a question of morality. Where do we get right and wrong? Answering these questions it forms what we would see as the most basic elements of your worldview and how you answer them and how I answer them would be my worldview. Now, once these questions are answered, you and I are able 
to better form answers to say like these next set of questions. And these relate to things related to society today. For example, do you think homosexuality is a sin or an alternative lifestyle? Is abortion wrong or is it a, is the right of a woman? Should capital punishment be allowed or disallowed? Or, or where should more energy be directed? Protecting the uh, seals and saving the whales or cutting down trees to build homes? Now, when you look at all of these questions, you know, think of questions like, should, pe- should people be drafted for the military? Uh, or would you vote Democrat, Republican? Uh, Republican, nonpartisan, or something else, or not at all. Nowadays, with the with the direction of how the election went, my question is: Are you a capitalist, or are you a socialist? And see, that is very, very much where we are today in our society. And, and that falls in line with the next one: Where do you think a democracy is better than, say, capitalism or socialism? Should marijuana be legalized, or what about other drugs like cocaine, which is something that's possibly happening or somebody's trying to push here in the state of Virginia? Or should marriage be defined as occurring between one man and one woman, or, or is, should it be polygamous? You know that in some parts out west, in Mormon country, they still practice polygamy. Now, please understand that everybody has a worldview but I want you to know that a worldview affects behavior and beliefs. You know, you and I behave according to what you believe or what you don't believe. You know, I can recall having conversations with atheists who said they lack belief in God. They don't believe or disbelieve in God. Yet when I defend the Bible as being true or the Christian God is the only God, they are quick to attack my arguments in order to disprove God's existence. So I tell them, that they are behaving according to what they believe or according to their worldview, what they believe or what they don't believe. Now, it is inconsistent to say that you lack belief in something and then behave as though you deny the existence of that something. Without admitting it, their worldview didn't lack belief about. It actually believed that it denied God. Now, there's no getting around it. Please understand, different worldviews affect behavior, whether or not someone is aware of it or not. Since I've already mentioned atheism, let's take a look at that perspective for a moment. How would an atheist answer the philosophical questions of, like, how did we get here? An atheist would probably say that we evolved from lower primates, Of course, he would deny that God exists, and he would probably say that after we die, we cease existing. Because after somebody's dead, the dead say nothing. Since there is no absolute God, an atheist would say, morals would not be absolute. And instead, they would be based upon the personal preference, whatever works in society. I have conversations with people like this all the time. Society determines Morals, but which society? Society that goes and says that they throw homosexuals off the top of a roof? Or that uh, a society that imprisons Christians? Or a society that says a woman is lower than a dog in, in this societal food chain, if you will? 
Now, please understand, truth is absolute. Truth is not subjective. And reality is not subjective either. Because whatever the reality is, is what it is. So a Christian would answer these much differently. A Christian would say, for example, that God created us and put us in this world with a purpose. That purpose is to worship God, enjoy Him forever, bring glory to God, and exercise proper and responsible dominion over the creation. A Christian would also say that when we die, we either end up in heaven or hell. Of course, a Christian would also deny that we arrived by means of evolution, and they would also deny the fact that morals are subjective. So, we are about halfway through our show today. What I want to do for the remainder of this part is to share with you what I believe and what I know to be true, the elements of a Christian worldview. Now, when we say a Christian worldview, we are talking about the fact that these principles that I'm going to share with you are rooted and grounded in reality and are backed up by the Christian scriptures we call the Bible. Now you say, oh, Rob, I don't believe the Bible. The Bible's a book of myths. No, it's not a book of myths. It's a book of, it's a volume of 66 books that is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses. Over the span of 1,500 years, three different languages, three different continents that are written by men, some 40, that wrote on supernatural events that are direct fulfillment to specific prophecies, and they claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. And if you're a preacher, that would make a good sermon outline for you from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. But... Let's move on to those elements. First off, an absolute God exists. Now, we believe that, that there is a God, and you're not Him. But if an absolute God does exist, that means that God is self-sufficient and lacks nothing. He's an uncaused cause, spaceless, timeless, immaterial, holy, just, loving, righteous, all-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful. So... You know, that's that's the God that we believe in. And if he's eternal, he does not change. Now, I know that there's a an idea out there called process theology, where you have this God who supposedly learns something. This is not biblical Christianity. Secondly, God created the universe. And if God created the universe, then he's all-powerful. And since it is obvious that it, that it takes a great deal of power to create the universe... God must be all-powerful, and this would also mean that God is separate from the creation and not a part of the created order. You know, you have three basic worldviews, that God is all, God made all, or no God at all. God is all is pantheism. Christians are not pantheists. God, uh, no God at all is atheism. So we say that God made all, and this is what I'm getting at here. You know, from the previous point that we see that God is absolute and existing, he's unchanging, and we could also see from God's nature, it would be reflective of a created order. As a painter leaves part of himself on the canvas, so God reveals himself in creation. Creation is therefore ordered, predictable, and dependable, 
And this would mean that when Christians look into creation, they would expect to find a predictable, regular, and testable world. Thirdly, man is created in God's image. This means that God, who is rational and intelligent, has impressed his image on the hearts and souls of human beings. It's not a physical thing. It is a matter of his image being on the hearts and souls of the the person. Therefore, what I mean by that is a person can be rational and turn their attention towards the world. And since they believe that the universe reflects God's creative nature, they can have confidence to look in creation and expect order. They can also expect that since they are made the image of God, they have the ability to unlock the secrets of the universe. Also, if man is created in the image of God, then all people are worthy of respect and due honor. This would also mean that when a new life is formed in the womb, it is a human being from the time of conception. Therefore, abortion is murder. Abortion is wrong. If we are created in God's image, then we did not evolve from lower primates. This would mean that we also have purpose and are not merely the result of random development through evolution. That is, supposedly guided by this thing called natural selection, which I don't believe has anything to do with um, with evolution. But natural selection works on the theory of survival of the fittest, and some people call that adaptation. I call that adaptation. And this could be very harmful in effect on society if survival of the fittest is also transferred into moral principles. You, you, you and I adapt, but we cannot push our morality as far as our adaptation or our survival and impose that morally on somebody else. It would justify oppressing the weak and the helpless. Another aspect of the Christian worldview is the fact that man was given dominion over the creation by God. This means that all aspects of the created order on earth are to be governed by man according to how God has revealed himself and his will for us that is revealed in Scripture. Therefore, when you look at things like politics and medicine, art, ecology, society, economics, exploration, philosophy, math, and education, all of these things are under the domain of human responsibility and which would be considered realms for man to control under the wisdom and direction of God's revelation, also known as the scriptures or the Bible. Now, what do we believe about man? Now, this is going to probably be a square horse pill for somebody with reference to the way that we look at man. We understand that man has created the image and likeness of God, but the image of man uh, that man has as far as in the, the image of God in man has been marred by this thing called sin. Now, when we talk about sin, this is one of the biggest squares, horse pills, that man has a difficult time swallowing. You see, because the fall of mankind through our ancient father, Adam, tells us that at the heart of everyone of us is a predisposition toward rebellion against God. That's what sin is. Sin is rebellion against God, and therefore, it is a rebellion against that which is good. Now, good is not something that is created, neither is evil. 
and I'll have a talk on uh, evil in the not-too-distant future. But those things are not created. Those are conditions. And when we talk about sin, sin has not only affected man's soul and body, it has also affected his mind. Therefore, the Christian worldview would say that even man's best reasoning has been touched by sin and cannot be perfect. Therefore, since man is sinful and his heart's intentions are predisposed toward wickedness, we conclude that most in power or those who are in power are highly susceptible to corruption and therefore governmental systems should be developed with Christian principles in mind to help guard against that. I won't get into that with regards to American politics, but I think you get the idea of possibly what I might be thinking here. You know, in fact, Christianity did influence the development of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence in American government. Our founding fathers developed our judicial system, our executive and legislative branches of government, which are all there to exercise a system of checks and balances over each other. Why is that? Because of the fall of man. Because man fell, man has a tendency to gravitate towards corruption. Now it gets better because man needs redemption. Man needs salvation. And the next aspect of the Christian worldview you know, you hear this word Christ, in that word Christian, Jesus Christ is man's only hope for redemption. Because man has fallen, he is in need of rescue from God's righteous condemnation, which is eternal damnation. And also he has fallen. Also, since man has fallen, there is no way that man can redeem himself. And therefore, Jesus, who is God in human flesh, died for us, was buried and rose from the dead. And that's the crux of the gospel. We receive his righteousness and forgiveness by faith. It is our badness coming upon him at the cross and his goodness coming upon us when we trust and place our full trust in him for our redemption. The basic theological truth means that Christians should then preach the good news of redemption in Christ to all the world, and therefore the most basic of Christian principles is promoting Jesus as the means by which man can be made right with God. And the next aspect of that, well, how do we how do we know who Jesus is? Well, that's because the Bible is the word of God. And of course, I've already mentioned the Bible, but the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God, and from the Bible, you and I derive the truths by which we govern our lives, and it is from the Bible that we learn about God himself, his created order, the fact that he's a trinity, in other words, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, but all three, in essence and nature, are God, one God, and that's what the trinity is. It talks about redemption, about sin, and about salvation and hope. And what is morally correct? The Bible reveals the will of God for mankind, for our families, for raising children, for proper behavior in society. Just read Romans 13. 
because you and I are going to have to really start really understanding what Romans 13 says with the change of administration. I just figured I'd throw that in there. It is from the Bible that you and I can learn the direct will of God. And the last element as we wrap up our show today is this, that God provides for his creation. It is from the Bible that you and I learn of God's loving provision for us, and we know that God lets the sun and rain fall on both the just and the unjust. We also know that God causes the crops to grow and cattle to multiply. We know that though we live in a fallen world, and boy, oh boy, it's becoming more evident, God has promised, God is not caught by surprise, God is in control, that, and also he has promised his presence and that he will never leave us or forsake us. Therefore, you and I can rely on God's provision for us and should have confidence that he will continue to provide for our needs. So as you can see, we are talking about the Christian worldview, and we've gone through some of the basics of the Christian worldview. There are more, but above uh, these eight or nine items that I've mentioned to you, these are representative of Christianity's perspective and truth and how they influence belief in action. You know, when we talk about Christian worldview and why somebody needs one, we all, we've just gone and talked about the fact that a worldview is a set of presuppositions and beliefs that someone uses to interpret form, and form opinions about humanity, purpose in life, duties in the world, responsibilities to family, interpretation of truth, and social issues. A Christian should view all of these things and more, including how they vote at the voting booth. And they should be guided by the light that is shed for them by the Bible. The Bible has much to say about the nature of man, the world, the purpose, truth, morality, etc. But, you know, the world does too. And as I laid out for you in the very beginning that our world today, our culture is becoming more and more with the religion of sex and the philosophies of scientism, hedonism, and materialism at the forefront of all of that. And you and I, as Christians, we're going to have to know how to navigate our way if things keep going the way that they're going. My question to you, friends, is are you ready to engage your culture? If you're not, let us help you by going and emailing us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. We'd love to come alongside you and talk to you about how we can help you answer some of the challenges that you face in our culture today. And we would do it and help you learn how to articulate your faith in an intelligent manner. You've been listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. Thank you for listening. And we're going to wrap our show up right here. And next week, we'll have another one for you, Lord willing. And as you go out this week, my prayer for you is that as you go out and engage the person at work, or whether it's at the coffee shop, at Starbucks, or, or Blackstones, or wherever you go, Hyperion, if you live some locally, or whatever coffee place that you go to. Those are some of my three favorites. But wherever you go, the progress of the gospel must go with you. What is the gospel? That God created everything perfect. But when he created man with a free will, man screwed it up. 
Therefore, he sent Jesus Christ to come and fix it. And how did he fix it? He lived a perfect life to show that, that how man could really live in relationship with him. Now, we can't be perfect because man fell, but at the same time, Jesus died as your substitute and mine so that he can fix us if we place our faith and trust in him. It's that great transaction of God taking all of our badness and putting it on him, putting it on him on the cross, and then him giving us all of his goodness, the great transaction. But when he died, he was buried. On the third day, he rose, conquering sin, death, and hell for you and for me. Do you know this Jesus that I am talking about? You can also email us, and we could tell you more about him, and I've got a presentation that you can read on Rob Lundberg Apologetics at uh, roblundbergapologetics.com. You can go there and click on the link, Get Real Life, and you can read about that. It's also got a flash presentation where you go and you click on the link, you'll get an apologetic post of an apologetic presentation of the gospel and the good news. Thank you for listening. As you go out this week, as we always close our show, go out and give them heaven. We will be back with you next week. Lord bless. Thank you.